Hello everyone and welcome to Sipping Soup, the show hosted by your least favorite person featuring your most favorite people. I'm Maggie and today's guest is my dad Keith, also known as the Swampologist. But before we get started with today's show, however, we're going to have a brief snack break. And I do mean brief. I know that last episode's snack break was a bit long, but this week I finally figured out how to see the timing of my recordings and how to appropriately time things. So without further ado, let's get into this weekly jam. Alright guys, welcome back from the snack break. I hope that you're ready and situated for today's show. If you're curious about the song that was just played, it's called Shooting Stars, and once again, it was made by us here at the podcast. Before we get into the interview, I'm going to introduce the guest of today's episode, my dad, Keith. Hello everybody. So dad, since this is the Sipping Soup podcast, what are you sipping on? I'm sipping on Perrier that actually has a slight orange flavor to it. Gross. All right, is there anything you'd like to say about yourself before we get into the main segments of the episode? Uh, Not necessarily, but I'm Maggie's father. That's it. Okay. All right, so besides the snack break, the first segment of today's episode is called 2020, where I ask you 20 big picture questions about yourself. You have the right to plead the fifth to any question you are uncomfortable answering. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. First question. What exactly do you do for a living? I am an environmental consultant uh, or an environmental scientist. Um, I primarily um, identify uh, environmentally sensitive resources, which would include wetlands, Uh, listed species habitat uh, or other things that may be regulated by state federal and local governments environmental resources I also secure environmental resource permits for land developers uh, when they develop subdivisions condominiums bridges or roadways Um, I also uh, do listed species work which would include uh, beach mice permitting uh, I help, um, we've done census work for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for beach mouse. And we do gopher tortoise surveys and gopher tortoise relocations. Bro, that was so big. How'd you do that without a script? I can't even read my questions without this. Okay. Mm. Um, seeing that you do a lot of work outdoors, what is the most exotic plant you've seen on the job? Plant? Plant. <sighs> you know, uh, it would either have to be a lily. Uh, which would be uh, panhandle lily, which is a listed plant species, uh, or a type of butterwort, which a butterwort would be pinguicula. That's the genus of butterwort. Oh, that was fancy. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what's the most exotic animal you've seen on the job? Animal may be either a manatee or a bobcat. All right. Question number four. We're going to start off with a cool bug fact. 
So the cool bug fact is that the gopher tortoise is an endangered animal in the U.S. that digs burrows that help 360 other animal species. So how do gopher tortoises like plan to your job? Like why are they so important? Well, gopher tortoises are listed by the state of Florida as threatened and as such, their burrows are afforded protection. And so when, uh, for example, there may be a shopping center that's proposed on a parcel of property and that parcel of property contains burrows that may be occupied by tortoises what we do is we survey the land and identify the burrows. We classify them to determine their status, whether or not they're active, inactive, or abandoned. And then we actually excavate the burrows. And if we find any tortoises inside those burrows, we take the tortoises away from the site, get them out of harm's way, and we take them to a protected site, which we call a recipient site. And the protected site is more or less a sanctuary that's set up by a private organization that manages that property uh, such that it provides ideal conditions for gopher tortoises. All right, so moving on to questions away from work, because who likes that? Well, we're going to ask about podcasts. So I heard before I had the idea of making this podcast that you listen to some podcasts on the way to some jobs. Which podcasts do you watch and who hosts them? So I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, my gosh. And I listen to the Meat Eater podcast. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. The Meat Eater podcast is uh, put on by Stephen Ranella, Yanis Putella. Those are the, the Meat Eater cast. Do they just like eat meat on the show? <clears throat> no, they're uh, avid outdoor hunters. And so they hunt all across the United States. And they're advocates for cleaning and consuming your harvest. So they always talk about not only the harvest of the animal, but they also talk about all the different ways you can process and consume your harvest. That is like the exact verbiage I'm using for this next question. Okay. Okay. So, as I mentioned in the previous episode, you are an avid fisher and hunter. What do you think is the largest fish you've caught? It would have to be a blue marlin, uh, probably around 500 pounds. How long did it take you to catch that? Uh, I think two, just around two hours. Mm. Yeah. What's the largest deer you've shot? So, the largest deer I've shot was 198 pounds. It was an eight point. Was this recently? No, that was the first deer that I ever took. Uh, It was several years ago. um, And it weighed just under 200 pounds. And it was an eight point. And that was in Fort Deposit. How old are you? How old am I? No, were you? How old was I? Yeah. Oh. Like estimate. I don't know. 35, 36 years old, maybe. All right. All right. So next question. Many people don't know this, but your mom, who is my grandma, is from Germany. Yes. As a child, did you have a connection with her family in Germany? I did. Uh, So growing up, um, there would be times where my mother would take uh, both my brother and I to Germany during the summer break. So as adolescent kids, uh, my mother would take us and we would spend a majority of the summer in Germany and it was awesome. Uh, I got to spend time with my grandmother and grandfather, my cousins, aunts and uncles. Uh, I was immersed in the culture. 
but more importantly, learn the language. Um, and, and it was amazing as an adolescent, I was able to speak almost fluent German. Um, but as years gone and became older um, and became more uh, entranced in school, um, those opportunities didn't present themselves and I didn't go as frequently as I did when I was a young child. Okay, so that was basically like questions 9 or 10, which was like, can you speak any Germany, not German, any German, and what level of fluency do you think you're at? So right now, what do you think you're at? Oh, very low, very low. But you very can basic. have a conversation. Uh, I can understand much more than I can communicate. Um, and so um, it, it would take me some time, but it's been so long. Uh, I haven't gone to Germany that frequently uh, so I've lost much of uh, my conversational German. All right. So about a year ago, the last time we went to Germany, and my first time. Yes. That was like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And we went to some important cities and we ate a lot of food. Yes. What place in Germany do you think was the coolest and why? Wow. I, in my opinion, I really enjoyed Strasbourg. Uh, that's in France. That's in France, of course. But... It's so close to Germany that it has influence from both countries. So, mm-hmm. obviously, it has a lot of influence from Germany, but it also has influence from France. And just the architecture of the buildings uh, in Strasbourg were incredible. Oh, like that, um, that one church with like all the statues. Everywhere. Yeah. So the uh, that's the Notre Dame de Strasbourg. So that's the Catholic cathedral uh, in in Strasbourg, France, and it was incredible. It obviously looked like a miniature version of the Notre Dame in, in Paris. Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, but I would, the highlight of the trip for me, obviously, was, was Strasbourg. While there, or just in your experience, what was your favorite German dish? Oh, wow. You know, I really don't know. Uh, I mean, we had several dishes that were, that were great. Uh, honestly, I enjoyed the, the backyard barbecue that... Uh, uh, Uncle Mike or Michael prepared for us uh, almost I think the first night that we were there that was the first night he prepared like all kind of cuts of meat for us uh, side dishes desserts uh, and the thermal mix in the thermal mix and so <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed that cookout that we had but of course the the things that we had at the restaurant I mean we had several meals that were, were fantastic but a lot of pork and not a lot of beef. Yes. Well, Germans eat a lot of pork and, and different varieties of pork. Uh, uh, schnitzel. Uh, I had, I think I had uh, a Jaeger schnitzel one night, uh, but I had a bunch of schnitzel and, and of course, sausage. Um, you know, uh, Germans eat a lot of sausage, uh, bratwurst, knockwurst, uh, different types of sausages. So those, those are, and then the bread. Can't forget the bread. The bread's great as well. All right. So another thing that people might not know about you is that you really like to travel and do stuff when we don't have school and work. Yes. What place is definitely on your bucket list? So um, Alaska is on my bucket list. Iceland is definitely on my bucket list. Uh, Norway is on my bucket list. I really want to go to Norway. Uh, there are a bunch of national parks that I would still like to visit mm-hmm. uh, in the United States. Uh, but I would have to say, I would say my top three are Alaska, Norway, and Iceland right now. 
So currently we have two animals in our house. We have a Yorkie named Buddy and a Shih Tzu named Charlie. Growing up, did you have any pets in the house? I did. Um, uh, as a young child, uh, we had some dogs, uh, but I was so young that I really didn't remember uh, those dogs. We had a German Shepherd. We had a Basset Hound. Um, and I believe that's all that I can remember. And an Irish Setter. I thought you had a rabbit too. Well, that was uh, so later. So as, as an early child, uh, I had an Irish Setter, German Shepherd, and Basset Hound. And then as a teenager, I had a bunny rabbit. We called Honey Bunny. Uh, he was black and white, and we let him actually run out in the backyard. He lived in the backyard. It's crazy. Uh, and he had a burrow and everything. Um, and then I also had a cockatoo. I had a white cockatoo that was named Casper. Did he talk? He would say a couple things, like I love you or hello. Uh, he would say a few words. He was a real cool bird. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of teenage years, I'm in my teenage years, and I'm trying not to make stupid decisions. Do you have any disclosable stories from your teen years? Oh, God. So, I think I was 16 years old, uh, and a very good friend of mine, his name was Greg. Hey, Greg. Greg Bois. I don't think, uh, but I think he's changed his last name. Bois. Yeah, Bois. B-O-I-S. And we had a brilliant idea of barricading my brother's front lawn uh, as a joke. And so to do that, we borrowed some road signs, like the orange flashing barricades that you find at construction sites. And we proceeded to load those into my car and then take them to my brother's house where we would then later erect them such that we would block off his front uh, part of his house. Unfortunately, I was uh, caught by the Scambia County Sheriff's Department who noticed the flashing orange lights in my car and we were pulled over and I got in trouble. So um, nothing major, uh, uh, more or less a reprimand, but uh, and I think they felt pity on me because I was 16 years old at the time. And I'm sure we were emotional, so he let us off the hook. So, but yeah, needless to say, I got into a lot of trouble uh, with my parents over that, that issue. How old were you when you met my mom and where'd you meet her? Oh, I believe I was 15 years old when I met your mom. That's how old I am. And I met her in uh, school. Uh, it, I wouldn't say it was middle school. It had to be high school. Ninth grade high school. I Whoa. met your mom. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Were you involved in any sports or clubs in high school? No. Well, take that back. Okay. I was, the only club I was in was AVC. And I did that with your mom. Um, what? Yeah. What's AVC? God, I don't even remember what it stands for. I don't even know what we did. I think it was like... Amy's Vivantes or something? I don't know. Who knows? But that was the only club I was a member of, and I didn't play any sports. Uh, I, you know, I played tennis and golf, um, but not on a team sport. So I was talking to my algebra teacher today, Mr. Forte, and he said that Jinko jeans and wallet chains were big for his generation. So what were the biggest fads and trends of your high school years? The biggest fad in my high school years were Z Cavarici pants, 
That was the stylish pants. Big hair. So, like, uh, the, the girls would have these, like, perms, and then they would, like, I don't know, make their hair big with hairspray. Um, but that's really it. I mean, that's all that I can remember, honestly. Was Z -ca I mean, that's the thing that sticks in my head is Z Cavarici pants. <laughs> so what's the technical name of the degree you got when you graduated from college? <clears throat> so it started, so my degree changed uh, while I was in school. So when I was first enrolled in college, my degree was called Environmental Resource Management and Planning. That's the degree track that I took. Um, in my senior year, they changed the title of the degree and they, they then named it Environmental Science uh, because that was the emerging trend at the time. And it was called Environmental Science, Environmental Policy. And so my, my actual degree says Environmental Science, a BS, Bachelor's of Science, <laughs> and in, in Environmental Science and Environmental Policy. And I actually have a minor in geography, so I have a sub-minor uh, in geography. So you're like Julian Jackson, the, the world geography teacher? Mm, I mean, I have a minor in geography. Mm. Okay, so last question of the 2020 segment. A lot of people at school have been requesting this episode and talk about you a lot. Why do you think people are so fascinated by you? I think a large part of it has to do, well, your friends I don't know, but other people think, well, they find an interest in my job. Uh, as soon as they hear that I'm either a scientist or a biologist or that. Swampologist. Yes. And so immediately they find interest in it and and that always starts a conversation about what I do and and the things I see in the field and in my experiences. So it's always a, a topic of discussion. Now your friends may find it intriguing that I'm white and the father of a mixed Asian child. That's right. That's <laughs> so, me. and and who knows? And and maybe that they can't associate your father as some type of avid outdoorsman or a hunter. <laughs> All right. So the next and final segment of the podcast is called Fact or Fiction, where I will give you five statements based on your specific interests and jobs, and you will have to tell me if it is a fact or fiction. Oh, okay. Okay. Number one. Even though Germany doesn't have a Thanksgiving the way Americans do, they have a Thanksgiving-like harvest festival where civilians make baskets of vegetables and put them up in the church altars and have parades. Is that true or false? I don't know. You gotta give an answer. What? Well, the thing is, I don't know that culture that well. I mean, obviously, I spent time there, but I. I never was there long enough to understand the culture, so it sounds true to me. That is true. I got okay. it from your mom on a car ride home. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I was talking about like Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas. Or I got you. Okay, number two. In Alabama, you can only kill two deer in one hunting season. No, false. You can kill... I don't think there's a limit on how many does you can kill, so female deers. But what about male deers? But the male deers, the bucks, you can only kill three. That is correct. Yes. Number three, you are my biological father. Absolutely, 100%. Okay, good. All right, number four, for your captain's license, you need at least 90 days of boating experience. I never got my captain's license, so I couldn't tell you, but I know, well, I don't think it's days. I think it's hours. Uh, so I know people that have obtained their captain's license and they had to keep a log book and they had to log the hours, but 
I would say that's probably true. Oh, I googled it on the internet, and it said you need 360 days of boating experience wow. and 90 days offshore. Okay. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. So, number five. In the past few years, you've traveled to Colombia for a very important job. Yes. Not related to drugs. Disclaimer. Right. Do you think that it is true or false that 70 to 90% of the world's emeralds come from Colombia? Yes. I would say that's true. That is true. Yeah. Because... Not only did I go to Colombia, but I also went to Brazil. Brazil. And Brazil um, has a lot of active mines as well. And so some of the times that I was in Brazil, we visited um, uh, not a jeweler, but a, but a person that would sell raw stones or cut stones. And I would buy citrines, amethyst, tourmalines. And I even bought your mom an emerald, a really nice emerald from Brazil. And I had it made into a ring. Um, and so, yes, that, I know that there are a lot of emeralds mined out of South America. All right. So those are all the segments we have planned for today's show. Before we close out, is there anything more you'd like to say to your fans? To my fans? I don't know. that I didn't, never realized I had fans. You so. do. Okay. Well, geez, I don't know. <laughs> I'm humble. I'm, what do you say? I'm not I'm humble. I, I'm humbled by I'm it. I'm humbled by it. Yes. Okay. All that's right. it. All right, sounds good. So once again, thank you everybody for watching and a special thanks to those who made it all the way through. Tune in for next episode where we feature Catholic High's favorite AP World teacher, Mr. Gulig. Thank you to everyone and goodbye.